welcome back to another episode of the Balcony Chatter Podcast. I am your host, Andrew McKenney, with my co-host, Tim Taylor, as always. And today we are joined by a special guest. Uh, we've been looking forward to this one for a long time. And and uh, I, I will say, Tim and I, when we started this podcast, we sort of made a list of people that we wanted to have on. And we had a couple different people on, on each of our lists, as you'd expect. But we had one uh, very specific that... We really wanted to get on here, and today we are joined by PJ Stock, and super excited. So thank you so much for joining us. We can't wait to talk to you about a bunch of stuff. Thanks for having me on. Who else was on the list? I better have been at the top. I want to know who else was on this list. So for, absolutely at the top. Yeah, I would say you were definitely at the top for both of us. I mean, you, awesome. you're a a player that sort of played for for the team that we loved growing up. I mean, Tim and I are both around age thirty. Me too much though. No, <laughs> I, I look like a bag of shit already. Last we had a Christmas party last night, so I, I'm trying my best. That my eyeballs are trying to. I'm doing. This is where I need TV makeup right now. We had uh, we put on a little, uh, one cocktail too many last night, and then I had another fifteen after that. Well, there you right. go. I mean, that sounds like a good party. <laughs> yeah, it was a good party. It was yeah. a Christmas party here. In my That's the holiday spirit. It's holiday spirit for sure. <laughs> So who's on the list? I want to hear. So so for me, I'll, I'll, I'll say who I have on my list here. I mean, we like to try to keep people that we um, really admire, and it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, a lot of people would be like, oh, I want to get these superstar players on that scored a million goals and all of this. But for me, it's, it's more players that I love growing up. So obviously you're on that list. I had kind of Byron Defoe is on the list for me. I mean, he was a goaltender that – that I really loved, and it was he. I would say he was one that I really remember as the first goalie, the first goalie that I remember as a Bruins fan. You know, growing up, he really was the 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 goaltender for the Bruins at that time. So he was on my list for sure as well, um, and then a few others. I, I, Tim, who do you got? Oh man, I mean, we also we do we do some Celtics in, in here sure. as well. So. Um, Right. I'm hoping someday we can get a hold of the media mogul that he is now, but Scalabrini would be great to have on. Um, and then in terms in terms of the ice, I mean, Sergey Samsonov. Yes, that was that was on my list as well. That was tough. I don't know where he's living. I think he was living the last I heard in like Detroit. So if you guys want to hunt him down, I think that's where he is. Okay. Samsonov in Michigan. There can't be too many of them. Right. Yeah. So, Sergey, one of my uh, favorite Bruins memories is like you always think back and you sorry for jumping in here for a second. But um, we had a it was a different time. Right. So it was, we had a pretty tough team. But some days things got carried away. And it's one thing to have a um, tough players. But it's another thing to have a tough mentality. And, and we had a we had a team that everyone kind of had a role um but what makes the team successful is that players are willing to go outside of their role when things are going well to keep your team on the right track and i for, i can't remember the team who it's against i want to say it's against ottawa but uh sergey getting into a fight and just chucking them like the last guy you'd think to be doing it and <laughs> things got carried away one guy pushes one guy one guy pushes you know you push my guy i push your guy and back and forth and at one point, our well, I was the smallest, but he was the smallest, smallest, most skillful player on the team. His head down, chucking them against someone. It was uh, <laughs> just, I loved him. Everyone loved him. He was so quiet, so quiet. But to see him do that at that time was pretty cool. Did he get the I win? Love that. I always give people the win. <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a great story because I, I, 
obviously we all kind of remember him as being sort of this finesse or or fast player that that wasn't really his style of getting into it with with guys. I mean, that was more the style of that time. You know, I would say more than it is now. A lot of players, basically every player, could go out there and throw him, or or it was it was necessary to just play in that time, and obviously before that as well, the '80s and and everything. But you know, it's a great story to hear about because I wouldn't have expected that. Yeah, no, he was awesome. We, that's what made our team great. Uh, I, unfortunately, we had a team that probably I think should have won the cup. I think we had a team, and we uh, we were finished first in the East. I'm going back to 2000. I think it was 2001. You know, we had two 40 goal scorers, a few 30 goal scorers. Sergey played on a, a line with um, Joseph Stumpel and Billy Guerin. Uh, Billy had yeah. 40 goals, I think. Um, Glenn Murray had 40. I think Mike Knubel might have had 30. I think Sammy might have had 30 as well. Uh, you know, Brian, Brian Rolston as the third line center with Axelson and Demari Lapointe. Like our team was jacked and. Right. We should have made a run, and you're, you know, you mentioned Byron Defoe at the off the hop, but we go into the playoffs in round one, and you know, there's some guys now that I look at how I, I remember now that I, I finished talking got into media, and I remember you paid attention to all the teams and all the general managers as compared to when you play, uh, you just kind of focus on yourself in your own day, but uh, get into media, and I remember when Anaheim made a run, and uh, we were following Brian Burke. And Brian Burke said, you know, you need it. You can't have enough defensemen in the playoffs. You need at least eight is what he said, I believe. And I think back to that team that year where we made the run and I was young, so I wasn't involved in any team discussions, but some of the veterans on the team went to the management and said, we need some defensemen. Like we need to get some defensemen. And they didn't. And I think once the trade deadline came and went by, there was like a drop in our team because some of the veterans were like, Come on, that's all we ask for. Just get us some depth on the back end. Yeah. Anyways, we go into the playoffs. What happens? We lose a play against the Montreal Canadiens the year Jose Theodore stands on his head. We lose a couple defensemen. That's the year Kyle McLaren kind of clean hit, dirty hit, clothesline, whatever you want to call it. Um, Zednik, Richard Zednik, he got suspended. Uh, we had a couple defensemen get hurt, and you know Byron couldn't stop the 900 shots that we were giving up because we couldn't defend out of our own zone because we only had about three defense left to finish the series and we lost and now I'm sitting in my basement. <laughs> well, I think that that that's kind of how it seems to go with a lot of, even up till this point in this day is, is, is depth for the playoffs. I mean, you, if you don't have depth going into it, whether it's offense or offensive help or defensive help, it just seems like, it's almost a death wish if you go down a couple players. It's really hard to to do that, you know? Everything, every sport, every company. And you have to, you know, you're only, I'm in Montreal. So, well, we, we can talk Boston with you guys. You know, you got your Bergeron sweater up behind you. You got a bad Jagger one behind you, but nonetheless. <laughs> uh, you look what's going on with them right now. They still probably have one of the most complete lines in hockey with the Pasternak Marshall Bergeron line, one of the, yeah. what is the perfection line, but there's not a lot of offensive depth and we're talking healthy players. Yeah. But to be successful, you need everyone in the right. We in French, we say chaise, like in the right chair. So they don't have that right now. They just have that top line and they don't have that depth offense healthy. Yes, but just not offensive depth. And that's kind of, what's kind of affecting that team a little right now. Health isn't like you're going to add players in, you know, we've added players in, but I don't mean no disrespect to the players that we added in. They're just not the same they would have been in the lineup already if they were good enough to be in the lineup. 
Right. So you're adding in, uh, let's say, a, a B option, which just makes a little bit weaker. But then if you add in another B, if you have to add in a couple of them, it just diminishes what you kind of had originally. So it's so important. Um, that, you know, I just, Montreal Canadiens just named a new president, new general managers coming out soon. That's the one thing with that team hasn't had for years, and that's why they've sucked for so long. Their drafting has been plural, but they've got zero development, so they have zero depth coming up. They have, you know, no no depth and that's what makes every team every every company every sport you need you need layers and layers of people pushing the people to be better at the top and you need those people at the top to continually be great or someone else is going to take your job you got to make sure that there's people underneath that are competent to take that job boston doesn't have the 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 people that can score montreal doesn't have the depth and you go back to that year we didn't have any health yeah that that's tough I mean, like you said, the team was so good and had so much potential and should have went further than that. And, you know, it's unfortunate, obviously, us as fans and you as a player, like you want to see you want to see a, all the, a, a run all the way. But that sucked. I don't know. This is one thing that I I, I, I hate about. I have four kids and we're all we, we all play sports and I coach some of the stuff and. You know, growing up, you, had, you played hockey, you played A, B, and C. Uh, today, there's AAA, AA, and A. No kids are, there's no B hockey anymore. And everybody gets a medal when they lose. Everyone gets a prize when they right, lose. Yeah. They don't, you know, they don't want kids being upset about losing. That's bullshit. You got to teach kids that losing sucks. And, yeah. and you don't like that taste of losing. And you're going to make yourself better and push yourself harder uh, to to you don't ever want to have that feeling or taste again. And yeah. I think that's lost a little bit. I understand with younger kids, you don't want them to lose, be so upset that they never want to do it again. Right. But there's a certain age where you've got to, as a, as a kid, as an adult or whatever, losing sucks. I yeah. lost that year in the playoffs. I'm, I still, I'm still bitter about it. And, and yeah, did it push you in the summer? Yeah. And you have visual, you visualize in your head that, you know, not physically, but yeah, physically, you're going to kick their ass next year because that's not going to happen again. Yeah. And yeah, so that's kind of, yeah, that year sucked. Losing sucks. You talk about the deflation after the trade deadline came and went. Was there kind of, I mean, you still made it, you got into the playoffs, obviously, first in the oh, East. Oh, you're first in the East, right? Yeah. yeah. So was there like a kind of a pick me up moment where you were like, all right, you know, fuck it. Like, we're here. Let's like, we're we were just too good. I, yeah. We were just good. Uh, we we kind of cruised in. I think a little. We didn't. I think that hurt us a little bit too. I think we. I look back at the group. We were really good. Guys were talking third round, second round, and you know I, I didn't really get it as much as I do now or later. We. I don't want to say we overlooked them, but I think some of our better, bigger players might have overlooked them a little. I, I just. It was a weird time. Um, we were playing the Montreal Canadiens that just snuck into the playoffs. They were good, but they weren't us good. And, I mean, I, everything we do, right, is why we like teams more than ever. You have comparables. And all we – you lined up every position. We were better right. at every position. Yeah. Um, home ice advantage, you know, the, the garden, <laughs> you know. We thought we'd be, we'd be giant. Well, we thought we'd go and just, I think we, I think, I don't want to say it. I think we look past them. 
I think some of our big boys look past them. Before you know it, I think we're down one game zero, and then yeah. it just kind of yeah. we tied it up at four. And uh, I was coming back to uh, to the garden, and uh, we lose game five. And it was just uh, we just it's one thing you know to to be able to put your foot on the gas pedal. It's hard to do it mid series. Okay, now let's pick it up. And I don't think we were able to do it. And I think that's what cost us. So I want to ask you about. Uh, the the rivalry there, the rivalry for the Bruins in Montreal, obviously is always going to be there. But it over the f- last few seasons, it's kind of it's kind of settled down a little bit. Obviously, Montreal hasn't been that great except for when they went to the to the finals. But I know, I know. Um, but I mean, if we're looking at this year and the other years in the past, they haven't been what they were. So I don't know if that kind of goes with the reason that the rivalry isn't as as big as it was but back then what was that like I mean you're playing Montreal the biggest rivalry in hockey in the first round of the playoffs like I would imagine that has to be uh you know a pretty pretty big series to go into regardless of whether or not you think you're going to beat them or not there was uh there was rivalries back then were a lot different than they are today today they're they're media made yeah uh, I I think you need they're like, hey, remember what it was like in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s? No, none of these kids were born yet. Uh, there's players from all over the world now. They're not just from North America. They're not from Boston. They're not from Montreal. They're they're from everywhere. And th- the history is not really there either for a lot of these, you know, players. That, so they didn't grow up thinking this way or hating a team or whatever. And the biggest thing for me is, uh, in my opinion, you need some sort of violent moment to create some sort of violent rivalry or 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 hated or heated beating them 5-2 or losing 5-2 doesn't create the same hate as if they ran our goalie or vice versa uh and, and then you want to get them back and then it starts a big you know uh, snowball effect you know and, and then it's just one to two and it, it continues now there's there's not a lot of physicality left in the game today and i think that's what you know it's i think the league likes the way it's going for science and, and injuries and all that i know why they've eliminated a lot of that stuff especially a lot of headshots especially a lot of the fighting those players aren't in the game anymore um but you go back to the was it the uh the rangers was the rangers capitals game uh a year ago yeah and um you know whatever happened with that little skirmish happened but everyone in the nhl tuned tuned in the next day the next time they played each other to watch yeah and that's kind of how rivalries were created and and survived um there's none like that really in the game anymore right now so I don't think there's much of a rivalry left. Like you guys are Bruins fans or like or Celtics. You got, you know, is that a Garnett jersey behind you? I mean, yeah, yeah. when they play, they play it hard. Yeah. Basketball still has a couple of moments like that, but the smack talk, the everything, the physicality, the game's way different. It's not, it doesn't have that same chip on its shoulder right. that it used to have. The same thing. Uh, the other thing with the NBA is they, they talk about the AAU part of it where it's like all these guys have been playing together since they were like, under 10 right. years old you know like they all know each other and if they don't like each other like it stems from childhood or but most of them get along because they all know each other yeah yeah it's well it's, it's that's one of the things that i hate about the all-star game and olympics and stuff like that is that these players that um play against each other all year 
and that little bit of hate gets created. And then mid-season, they get together. I'd rather them do it at the end of the season or at the beginning of the season, yeah. not mid-season. Because right. then mid-season, they come in and that, you know, their buddy-buddy chum-chum at the All-Star game or not that any of these superstars have any meanness to them. But if they did, you know, like hypothetically Panarin, who was who was got thrown around in that Washington game against right. the Rangers, you know, the next, you know, he's mad. Maybe he's going back at someone, but then him and Ovechkin are, you know, high-fiving at the All-Star game or at the Olympics, and that kind of cools it down a little bit. And I, that's where I, I love that. Do it at the end of the year. Do it at the beginning of the year, not in the middle of the year, because then they got to come back and play after. So, uh, yeah, it, it's it's hard. Those The hate's not there like they used to be, and doesn't help that, you know, A, they've grown up together, or B, they're high-fiving each other mid-season. I think the I never per- uh, the- thought about oh sorry Andrew I never thought about the Olympics being this like softening <laughs> exhibition so that's well to put at it but it is it's it, it, like it's, it's they do play they do hate each other and whatever but right all the Americans are now buddy buddy yeah all the Canadians are now buddy buddy you know all the whoever I don't know exactly Ovechkin and Panarin who might have had a riff now have to be teammates for two to three weeks. Right. So, you know, and they have to play hard. well together. They're going for the the ultimate goal that isn't the Stanley right. Cup. You know, everything that they want as a kid and to to represent their country, they kind of have to be on the same page. Exactly. I think the perfect example of what you're saying is basically the All Star Game, where you know everybody was so happy for John Scott being the captain, and he was one of the you know the biggest meanest guys in the league before that and then they get to the all-star game and he's the captain and you know he wins mvp or whatever and everyone's lifting him up and they're so happy it's like remember when you hated that guy before this you know i'll tell you one thing the league hated him after that though yeah they tried to they tried to bury him right it was just what a what a mistake that was on all parts Uh, and i don't know what happened or what didn't happen but uh I do know what happened, uh, but I haven't heard the league ever say it. But he goes from, you know, being in the NHL to being put in the minors uh, in Arizona in, in Shane Domes like last year. And then he gets traded to Montreal and then let's pretty much send him to S- Siberia. The ma- Canadians put him in St. John's, Newfoundland. Like it's like, let's just what's the one spot he's going from Arizona to what's the one spot we can put them where, you know, he'll hate life. I love Newfoundland, so that doesn't really count to me. So <laughs> I went to school out east. I love it. I love my East Coast people. Um, but it's a weather-wise, the tiny town on East Coast of Canada versus playing in the desert in Arizona. Right. And, uh, yeah, he kind of got buried after that whole situation. But I think there's, you might even have a movie coming out about that story. What a great story that was. But I yeah. hope. Yeah, it was a crazy story. It's yeah. an amazing story. There's so many layers to it that I don't have to get into it now. But the way the everyone handled it, um, instead of embracing it, it backfired kind of in the league's face. And it, it worked amazing for John Scott. But there's a lot of layers to it that uh, is, is pretty crazy. Uh, and, you know, good thing for him. But, yeah, he never really played again. So yeah. if you hated him or didn't hate him, you never really saw him again after that. Right. Well, I want to turn it back a little bit. Before we get to Boston, I I want to know who, 
when you were growing up, you know, did you always know that you wanted to play hockey? Was that your thing? I mean, I know a lot of kids that grew up in Canada, obviously hockey is the biggest thing in the world out there and, and that's kind of what they want. But did you grow up knowing you wanted to be a hockey player and, and, and make it to the NHL? No, I didn't have a clue what I wanted to be. I got very lucky, but my path was I wanted to get an American a scholarship to an American school. Going to much up in Montreal every Saturday with my dad, we'd watch uh, Notre Dame football, and that was kind of like the, you know, that was the bar in our house. Uh, I had friends that lived in the in the neighborhood that got scholarships to schools in the states, and we were, you know, you know, that's just the way things were you know, brought up to us. It's like, that's the goal. That's the dream. That's like, wow. That, so that was kind of what I set my sights on. Uh, obviously I, I, I left hockey. You, hockey was the tool that I could use to get there because of all the sports that I played, I played every sport. I wrestled, played soccer, played volleyball, played hockey, uh, badminton, uh, you name it. I played uh, every sport. And uh, that's just the one that, I kept making it the next higher level and the next higher level of, and, and it ended up being, let's use that to see if I can get to the States uh, for scholarship. So I left home at like 17 to go to league in Ontario, which was a league that was kind of a lot of American schools would come watch it play. So I went to a place called Pembroke, Ontario. And that was my first step into this is where I'm going to go. Let's try and use hockey and try to get there. That, that's interesting. Like I said, I feel like every kid wants to play hockey, but you kind of just play everything and, and see what sticks. And obviously hockey, I mean, clearly worked out well for you, whether it was a playing career or a media career, it, it seems to have, have kind of done good for you. Yeah. It's kind of kids today don't have a choice. They have to play one sport and that's it. I yeah. mean, it's, it's so stupid what they've done to kids sports right now. It's, you know, my kids play hockey. Uh, they're not right now. COVID's kind of stopped that. So amen. But it was six, seven nights a week, you know, and yeah. games, you, teams are like an hour and a half away. The coaches want them there an hour and a half. My, my kid's 12. What's my kid's going to do <laughs> an hour and a half before a game? Right. Like seriously. So, and, and get then bored. Well, yeah. Like get them there five minutes before the game for crying out loud. Like I, I get it, but still, right. You know, you're not really teaching them. And if, if it was constructive and they were learning stuff, no, they just all get there and they all fool around the stands. And then it's, and they practice six nights a week. They had to do CrossFit. It was, it was just, they have no time to be kids. They have no time to experience other sports. They have no time to work on their school because sports now and kids, no matter what the sport is, it's not just hockey. Soccer's crazy that way. A lot of sports are like that. Everyone's trying to keep up with the Joneses. You see some team that's really talented and does really well. Well, what do they do? Well, they do this. Oh, well, now we have to do this. Yeah. It's like every organization is pretty much, you know, it's it's a lot. It's a lot on kids. Um, it's a lot on parents. And, you know, the it's awful to say, but the blessing of COVID was our kids couldn't do it. And they realized, wow. oh, wow, I have time for homework. Oh, wow, I have time for friends. Oh, wow, I can go skiing. Oh, wow, I can play soccer. Oh, wow, I could do this. So uh, they're still playing just at lower levels and enjoying life a little bit more now. At least mom and dad are. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. If there's anything that is is somewhat good about the COVID situation, it's, it's things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, correct me. Is that me, an old school Atari behind you, like a, a Coleco? Vi- what is that behind? Is that an organ? What is that? Oh, your soundboard? Oh, no, wait. he's talking That's to a you. Soundboard? I think. Wait, is me? me? This? You, yeah. 
Yeah, dude, this the, is a, I'm not yeah. going with the spaceship behind well, me. Yeah, he said it keyboard. Like you got to keep. Old, what was those old games? You have to, you, a color would light up and you have to press it. Remember those like Simon, a force? What was that one? Uh, I know which one you're talking about. No, this it's a soundboard. So it has like a bunch I'm, of different things on it. It's probably way overkill for for anything that we're doing right now. Give but, him, give him a, give him an example. Give, him give a me taste. something. I, I look yeah. like something like from Saturday Night Fever is gonna bust out. All right, you ready? We got some, we got some, some sounds on here. You still have Chara on there? I don't have Chara on here anymore. I would oh, clip okay. out some sound bites to put them on here. Um, for things that we're talking about, I don't have anything cool on here right now, but it's just it's just for fun. So, all right, all right, keep going. Um, I wanted to ask you what you know. Growing up watching hockey, I would imagine. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Knowing your style of play and sort of when you grew up, was Chris Nyland a big a big player for you that you enjoyed watching? Just just knowing how he played and how you play, it kind of seems to match up a little bit. I did not play this way when I was younger. I used to love a guy by the name of Matt Snazlin, who was uh, number 26 for the Montreal Canadiens. He was a little uh, Swedish player on the ice. Like everything that I ended up playing like yeah. um, pro, completely opposite. It was uh, He was a little <laughs> skilled player that played with my Bobby Smith. I forget. I think maybe Russ Courtney was on the right wing. But um yeah, that was someone that I just, I just liked his style, liked his whatever. I, I, I never, th- I never envisioned myself trying to be like a Chris Nile and who, and man, were they tough back then? Yeah, oh, those people were so tough back then. So yeah, yeah. He, we, we actually had him on the podcast, and he, you know, he talked a lot about about fighting and and all of the stuff that was part of his game. And I don't know that I can believe. That he told me that he's never had a concussion in his life. So it's interesting. I don't think I really had one either. Okay. I mean, just because you get no one told us that we had one. Okay. Right. When you know what a concussion is now, I can't tell you how many I had. If 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 a a simple like a lights going off for a second is a concussion, I might have got five a game playing soccer. Like so, wow, I played. Yeah. I played center midfield. So you have a couple forwards, a couple people in the back, and then you have the guys in the middle. And I was like the guy in the the middle. So whenever the anyone would kick the ball, the goalie would kick the ball fifty yards up. My job was to get it and throw it back the other way or control it, and I hit it off my head every time. Right. So you think of the chief forces, and there's some days where like you're blinded, right? And now that we know today. Uh, that's probably a concussion. Yeah. So um, did I have some? Told no. I got beat up one time so bad in junior uh, that I couldn't fit my helmet on. So I had to wear, but I couldn't leave practice. I had to practice, but so I had to, I had to wear a goalie helmet. So it just had the the pad on the back of the pad here because I had so many bumps on my head. I couldn't fit a, a regular helmet on. So was I concussed? No. But was I concussed? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So so I don't know. I don't know about Nux. Nux definitely had a few. The way he fought, the men he fought, for sure. Yeah. Well, so there's one one other thing I want to ask you about before we get to to the Bruins, because you played for, you know, you were on a 
almost on a full tour of the original six in I your tried. in your career of the of the NHL. But yeah. th- there's one thing that I really want to ask you about that I think is you know pretty special that I I kind of um, found out that I don't think I knew prior to this. But you played on a roster with Wayne Gretzky. Yep. So obviously, I mean, you're you're sort of in the presence of a, of a the I mean, the greatest player of all time, as people say. And, you know, what was it like to be on the same team as him and, and kind of see him from that perspective? Like you're on the ice with this guy or on the bench with this guy. I was on the ice with him, too. <laughs> yes, I was on the bench a lot as well. Uh, two stories funny. Just Wayne. I'll give you one thing about Wayne is as much as Wayne is probably the greatest player of all time, it's obviously you can argue because I'm. I lose this with everyone. I just, I think he's the greatest player of all time. You can argue Bobby Orr is the greatest player of all time. You Correct. Can Shard, it's generational. Sidney Crosby, McDavid, whoever. Uh, it goes by generation. Wayne Gretzky is the greatest player of our generation and the most points ever in the game. So, um, but just, a, um, he's a better human being. He's a better human being than he was a player. If that's even, he was just amazing to me, my family. I could say nothing but amazing things about Wayne. He, I get all these accolades that he won because of how good of a hockey player he was. He was a better person. And um, wow. for a young player starting off in the game, he was just amazing for everything that I did. His family was great. Uh, Janet was super polite, super awesome, super welcoming. Um, I have nothing but amazing things to say uh, about the Gretzkys and at all. They're just am, am, amazing people. Um, and what was the second part of it? Just, uh, you you had said Gretzky, you had, yeah. there was two. I sorry, I, no, I was going to tell a second story. And the other part, funny part was, um, I'm uh, one night we're in in Pittsburgh, and you know <laughs> they kept they're like, well, I won't give you the whole. It's a long story, but the, the end result is, you know, Gretzky, Sundstrom, Stock. And they call my number as if I'm going up. And I'm like, no fucking way I'm going on the ice with Gretz. You know, like, I think someone's got the coach bugging me right now. Like, Gretz, he looks, he goes, Gretzky, but he doesn't, he's looking up straight as the game's going on. He goes, Gretzky, Sundstrom, Stock. And I just, like, take another sip of water, like, whatever. (laughs) I'm not even hearing it. And then he yells, he goes, the coach comes down, and Colin Campbell goes, Gretzky, Sundstrom, Stock, get your head out of your ass. Let's go. So I, I jump on the ice to face off and I'm, you know, obviously Wayne gets the, the best players in the world playing against them. And um, it's, I'm li- lined up actually against Ron Francis. They're lying. Of course, the new Jagger, I think it was Ronnie Francis. And, but Casparitis had been hitting him the entire night. And this one, the last couple of plays, Gretz went down the ice and Casparitis came up behind him and kept pu- pushing his helmet into his face. Like, from behind so it kept like falling on Gretz's nose and Darren Langdon was our big super tough guy and it's not as if you could have put Darren out there to go chase around Casparitis he knew that Casparitis wouldn't do anything uh and it probably get a penalty but so he puts me on their line and I'm like it's my first shift ever with Wayne and I'm now I'm lined up against I'm on the right wing Casparitis is on the left point so we're across from each other it's at an offside dot across from their bench so across the ice and I'm lined up beside Rod Francis and Rod Francis, sorry. And the uh, Gretz, before the referee is going to drop the, the puck, Gretz has his hands on, on two hands on a stick on his knees. And he looks over to me and he's like, kid, sorry, Gretz is a kid. He goes, soccer, no penalties. Like he whispers it. <laughs> he, I, I, 
I like what? I look back at him. He's like, no penalties. Like he's just whispering it, like without even saying anything. And Ron Francis is uh, lined up beside me. He goes, hey, kid, if you ever want to play with that guy again, I suggest you don't take any penalties. Yeah. So <laughs> they, they dropped, like, I just completely like shit myself. I'm like, ah, now, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm panicking. Gretz lets them win the pot, the face off. So they, it goes back to their D back to the other D and cast bright. It's always got the red line. And I come in and I, and I cross checked them in the ribs kind of, and uh, probably should have been a penalty, but the rest were like, this guy's been hitting Gretz all, all game. You, you can get a freebie. Yeah. And whatever. I was on that on the ice. When I'm going this way, Gretz is going that way. Now I'm going to go back this way. Gretz is going this way. It was just like, get me off the ice. I'm better with the fourth liners. Put me on the fourth liners where we just kick the puck on the wall and get off. So uh, my, my one shift was Gretz. My first shift ever with Gretz was uh, chaotic, but uh, a great memory. That's awesome. I, lo- I love great. that story. That's great. My you, first, uh... Actually, here, my first funny... This is my my stick that I scored my first goal with. It's Gretz and I had the same style of play, but it's actually a uh, a Gretzky blade. So sticks came in there. They had the shafts. They had the double shafts that came in. Yeah. And this is actually uh, a, he bought he bought the company Hespler for a while. So my first goal was uh, on Kelly Rudy with a Wayne Gretzky blade. So that's amazing. I would have had a lot more. I should use this stick more often. Yeah, what made you switch? I mean, why? Obviously, it was it was working. Free blades. Anyone else that had blades <laughs> back then, you just take whatever you can. <laughs> there you man. go. Anything free, I'm stealing. Yeah, yeah. And playing in New York, these guys owe me so much money. It's pre-salary cap time. Hey, extra gloves came in. I don't want them. They're going right in my trunk. I'm bringing them yeah. home. <laughs> it's it like a kid in the candy store. Some of these guys laugh on ten. Gretz said all this extra stuff that. You know, they're so they've been playing for 15 years. They have piles of equipment and sticks. I'm like, well, that's new. I'm taking that. I'm taking yeah. that. Yeah. Christmas <laughs> presents for everybody. There you go. Love that. That's great. Hey, how uh, are you enjoying Gretzky on the TNT panel? Are you are you liking the the new TNT? And I haven't, well? I, I haven't seen it a bunch. I just saw him taking yeah. some shots on Charles Barkley one night. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty that great. Was great. Yeah. How's he been yeah. doing? Great. I mean, I. I I admire TNT for having the best panels for both of those sports, especially with starting out with hockey. I mean, it's just amazing to have, you know, the great one on there. And then they were smart enough to get biz and, uh, you know, be So yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's a, it's a good vibe on there. And, you know, it's kind of big shoes ish to fill to like counterpart, um, uh, you know, Chuck and the, and Shaq Chuck and the Shaq. gang. But, uh, you know, what doesn't hurt is that ESPN, who also is now covering hockey and basketball, just continues to seem to kind of like fall on their face. It's kind of boring. So, you know, TNT is just outshining them through and through, it feels. Right. Well, people have seen hockey done a certain way for so long. Let's The kids nowadays change it up, man. Yeah. They need a little bit more flash flair. I don't need to, I don't need to play broken down all the time. Right. I think Let's that's talk some shit. That's probably why they love McDavid because of all of his highlight real goals, especially this year. He's not bad. Yeah, he's all right. He's okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh let's talk about coming to Boston. I mean, obviously yeah. this is this is a franchise where and a city specifically where, you know, they love the style of play that you you played. I mean, the, the, we're talking we can go back to to Terry O'Reilly and Cam Neely and even before that too. I mean, this is just sort of a place that seems like a perfect fit for 
your style when you came here? And did that yeah, and feel you want to like... talk about why you're at the top of our list too? It's just kind of the embodiment of the uh, quote unquote big bad Bruins. Yeah, it was. Um, it's funny, you know. It's it's just the mentality of the town. Like it's very blue collar, and I think a lot of the people that come, I have zero, well, a little bit of talent. I didn't have much talent. So I don't want to call it zero point one. Um, and, and you're playing on a team that was just so good. And I think the reporters got tired of talking about Joe Thornton, Glenn Murray and Sean O'Donnell and Don Sweeney and Byron Defoe. And, you know, so like, okay, we've been talking about these guys enough. They keep scoring goals. What can we talk about differently? I got, you know, when a team's really successful, they start adding to some of the people. Uh, and I was lucky enough on, to be on the fourth line that year where they, um, you know, I got added into some cool conversations and a little bit more, notoriety comes to you a little bit more popularity because you're on a successful team. And then, you know, I got into a couple of fights and it just, I think people appreciated um, the role that was different than a lot of the other guys. A lot of the other, everyone else was so good. It was like, Hey, look at that kid out there trying to play hockey. Isn't that funny? Isn't that cute? Look at the guy kind of <laughs> running around. Um, and it was just Boston kind of embrace that, uh, blue collar or work ethic, you know, you mentioned all those other names, you know, they were great players as well, but they worked and did the things that, you know, for a, for a team to be successful, we talked about Sergey Samsonov early. It's to go outside the norm um, and to do what has to be done for the team to be successful. And I think they uh, appreciated the role that I, I did with Boston or whatever I tried to do in that role for Boston. Well, nothing gets the crowd of of any arena really going like a hockey fight. So, I mean, obviously that's that's a big thing too, and that's what's unfortunate about there being less in the game these days is that, you know, a lot of people who don't really care for hockey will go because they think that they might see a fight. I know. It's, <laughs> it is totally that gladiator mentality. Like people used to like – and they've taken it out of the game for many reasons why we talked about the sure. discussions. Yeah, so I, we, we get it. Um, but – whether it's in basketball, baseball, any sport, people just love the that moment where violence breaks out. Uh, people like to watch NASCAR, watch cars go round in circle, just waiting for a crash. <laughs> right. Like that's, that's yeah. how we are. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, I never really did it just to do it. There was always a timing behind it. We're down a goal is this players following Joe Thornton around. How do I get 13 to think about me instead of thinking about Joe Thornton? How do I get that guy off Joe's back? Um, you know, all, there's a reasoning behind all of it. The crowd's not into it, uh, whatever. Uh, so it wasn't like just I was going to ever just start a fight. There was uh, a, a reasoning behind it. Um, right. And it, uh, again, I was very lucky to play on a team that I played for and very lucky that the fans appreciated what I did. So you know that I have to ask you about the Stephen Pete fight because it's been still talked to talked about to this day as being one of those fights that if there was a top 10, I would imagine that it's probably on that list somewhere. And you, you know, you had fights on the Bruins before that and you, you know, you fought him several times after that, I think, but I th it feels like that kind of cemented the, the, it made you like, a fan favorite for sure out there. I mean, that fight, you could rewatch it on YouTube and, and I will definitely be posting it when this episode comes out. But, you know, it's it's one of those ones that you don't forget about. And was there anything about that fight that, you know, caused it to go that way? And obviously, like I said, you guys had a few fights after that. 
Was there a one, specific one rivalry? Before. No, not at all, except for I, I knew the score was uh, 6-3 at the time. Uh, and I know exactly what my role would have been at that point. Uh, we had just scored. The building was rocking, and their coach puts out uh, Stephen Pete uh, and was going to line him up against Mike Knubel. And I, well, because I've watched it on YouTube, I can tell you everything about it. But I, I remember I, I remember all of them, which is funny, how they all kind of started and, and a lot of those moments. But, uh, you know, I, I, I line up beside him just to kind of, I don't say a word. I don't say anything. I just wanted to see how he was going to react. And so I took, so to get Mike out of that situation and Darren Pang does, first of all, it's a good fight, but Darren Pang and Steve Levy, the call is one of the best calls ever. The holy yeah. jump and everything. <laughs> they make it, it's like they make it sound so much better. Oh my God. And holy jumping. And they just sell it so much more than it was. Yeah, it was a good fight, but um, you know, I should not have fought uh, if, if I think of, the timing to give the team any momentum, take the wind out of the sails of our crowd at that point. I shouldn't have, um, but it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard. Like I'm thinking that, Oh, you're not going to try and do this to us. Right. And you can even hear Panger saying, Oh, he, sh- he doesn't have to do this right now. You know, the PJ doesn't have to do this right now. And it's like, ah, shit, I'm in it. So uh, then it's just, you know, just don't go down. Just don't go down. So it was, uh, it was, it was a good fight. Uh, no one really got hurt. So amen to that. Uh, he was nice enough to only punch me about 50 times in the head, um, <laughs> but, uh, I survived it. Crowd enjoyed it and, uh, move on to the next whistle. You know, I watched a lot of your fights growing up, of course, but also after that, just when YouTube finally came around and everything gets posted on there. But, you know, there've been multiple fights that I've watched where they've said, well, it's that's a hard way to make a living. I can tell you that. And do you feel, do, do you agree with that statement that, that a lot of these announcers make about fighting? Well, yeah. I mean, they're also just saying that they don't really 100% know it because they haven't done it. But, right. yeah, I mean, being an offensive lineman in the NFL is, an, is a tough way to make a living. Yeah. You know, playing any professional sport is a tough way to make a living. Um but it's a damn good living. Not gonna lie, it's a damn ass good living. I mean, I mean, I, I now the money's crazy now for some of these players and some of these sports. And, but you know, I was really lucky. Like I said, I I used hockey as an instrument to get me to university, um, and then I was lucky enough to use hockey to help pay for some things in life when I was younger. Uh, it was a great tool. Yeah, it it the physical part takes its toll. Um, the punches to the head, you know, is obviously now with the science and everything at the time, we didn't think it over so much, but uh, it definitely obviously has some toll with some, with a lot of people uh, yeah. in a lot of sports, but it was a tough way. But at the time I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Uh, and again, it helps that I was never really hurt doing it. Yeah. And and then it helps being fueled by, like you just said, the fans in the building after that Pete fight, it's like, you're pumped. You're right. pumped. It's like that gladiator feeling. Two people standing in the middle of 20,000 people. Yeah, it's a tough way to make a living, but I did love that living. Unmatched adrenaline. Oh, yeah. It was just the adrenaline. Like, you're standing. Like, that's why it's I'm at that time. You know, there's 20,000 people watching at that moment. You know, it's you lose a fight. It's it's 
you're kind of not embarrassed, but you are, if that makes sense. Like you're doing it for, again, many reasons. And when it doesn't go as planned, I know my teammates appreciate me, but I still wanted to do more. It's it's the same thing as you come down on a, you, you whiff out a puck. You're like, oh man, I hope no one saw that. Of course, today with the 9 million cameras, you're yeah. going <laughs> right. to see it, right? It's right. just, you, when you're trying to do something and you're proud um, and it doesn't go as planned, you, no matter what, you feel that little bit of embarrassment, like, oh man, and, and or sadness or whatever term you're going to use, but um, that was a, it's a good way to make a living, but that you have that 20,000 people looking at you, you know, chanting your name feeling. It's, I don't know what else you can say. It kind of replaces that. I think a lot of, I mean, besides being on with you two fine looking gentlemen. Yeah, there we go. We yeah. love it. I think a lot of the guys that do a similar role or in the NHL have basically the same feeling, you know, Nyland said a lot of stuff that was similar to that to me. And, and reading Sean Thornton's book that he put out recently as well, like he talks about all of this stuff and what it's like to have this role. And a lot of a lot of fighters, or as people call them, enforcers, depending on their actual role, seem to have a lot of the same feeling when it comes to doing that job. Yeah, I can't speak for other people. I just, um, you know, I, I, it was something that I never really did growing up. I did in junior, my last couple of years of junior, but... And I never, ever, I did it out of hate. Right. Like I never got mad. There was, I can remember the times when I got mad and those are times where I got hurt. There was one time um, I was fighting Scott Daniels. We had a line brawl in, uh, I was playing for the New York Rangers, playing against um, New Jersey Devils. And we're in Jersey. We're in Jersey. And I don't know why, but uh, we had, I would, Christoph Oliwal clips Darren Langdon with a stick off a face off and, Back then, we had, what, five meatheads on the ice at the time for both teams. And it's like, they drop the puck, but no one ever touches it. Everyone just skates around, punching each other, bumping into each other. It's a fourth line roll back then. Anyways, uh, a blind brawl starts. I guess thought get caught with uh, Scott Daniels. And um, Scott Daniels and I are at center ice. And they're breaking up the fights one after another. And we, we him and I had fought like a couple times in this, you know, melee time because you take one two fighters put them in the penalty box two fighters in the penalty box and we're still going and it's like him and i left at center ice and i i had him kind of tied up a little we we're both a little tired i guess i don't know but he starts headbutting me and he drives his head you know his helmet into my face twice and I, like i never lo- lost my cool every day as i'm getting beat up i'm never really that bad but he fell to the ground and i wanted to kick him like I was circling the, on the video, you see the refs kind of down and I didn't want to kick him, like, but I was so mad and furated that I wanted to do like, I, I wasn't thinking of anything. It's that moment where you're so irate, where you're like, I'm, I want to, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I wanted like, he was down, the ref was covering him and I was circling around him trying to punch him. But I went to the, to the point where everything that you trained and, or, or planned or whatever is thrown out the window because you just snapped. And that's why I think back to that moment. It's one, one of my proudest moments. Nothing happened, by the way, but um, I, I never really got caught up in those moments. Uh, so most of my fighting was always done out of just, it was my job. I was okay at it. I never really got overly hurt um, and respected the job and enjoyed it. But uh, that was one of the moments where I got a little carried away. Do you think that that's something to do with, you know, with, with fighting in hockey, it seems like there's a lot of sort of unspoken rules as far as, you know, these are things that you, you don't attack somebody when he's on the ground or you don't do these these things like 
he sort of seemed to break a rule of something that's not generally acceptable in a hockey fight. And is, do you think that's what kind of made you get to that point? Oh, totally. Yeah. It, well, I think that's life in any, I mean, we have all these unwritten rules, you know, that are kind of right. Same thing at, at, at home. And they're not, not written. They're kind of, you know, followed by over time and you've learned from them and in fighting, that was one of them. Yeah. I, so, and, and again, it's, that was kind of, a, he's an idiot for doing that. Uh, but B, I don't know what was going through his mind at that time. Maybe he was in, not fighting me, but hypothetically he was in panic mode. Maybe, maybe he was tired. Maybe, right. I don't know. Yeah. And it becomes defense mechanism. And so do I blame him now that I think back at it? If, he, it, was a, if it was a cheap shot move, yeah, it was a piece of shit move. It was, it was wrong. Um, do I blame myself for losing my c- control? Yeah, I got to be better in that situation. I, I Nothing really happened if you see the video, but it's still... There's, you can never really snap and lose control ever in those situations. And that's one of the times that I did. But yeah, there's unwritten rules that have been passed down over time. And a lot of them just come from respect for the game and for the player and for the opponent, for your teammates. Yeah. How many other times did you get headbutted with a helmet, though? <laughs> that was, I think that was pretty much, this was a legit, like, bump. you weren't prepared to have to, like, control right. in that situation because you weren't ready for you know, totally. didn't account for that one. I know of guys punching me, everything. My hands are up, my shoulders. I'm like, I, I wasn't strong enough to to hold off any of the guys that I fight. So a lot of my fights look like I'm chucking, but a lot of them are actually defense punches because the guy's too big and I can't hold him off. He's too strong. You know, I was 5'10, 187. These guys were, you know, 225, 6263, and I couldn't hold them off. So they're throwing punches and I like just punch under their arm to throw their arm off a little, or I'd, I'd let them punch, but I'd let them go off the back of my head. Uh, so yeah, a lot of my fights looked like they were a little, wow, that was my defense. I, yeah. I knew where a, fight, a, a fist was coming and how to re- react, which is just over time. I was not prepared for the headbutt to the nose. Like just grab me and boom. Yeah. Um, and it kind of, yeah, it's almost the surprise factor kind of another reason why I lost my coolness probably. Yeah. It makes total sense. Now, do you have, maybe you've already said it on this podcast so far, but do you have, you know, a memory from being in Boston that really sticks with you or maybe a favorite memory or something that, that was, you know, a big deal for you? Just the recognition. I think the fans were amazing. I, I, lo- I love the city. I love walking around downtown and get recognized um, by the people that were never, they were just everyone had fun things to say it's it was never like people being like i don't know what it's like to be a super popular player and what their life is like but just walking around boston and you know one of my favorite times ever was doing the the parades through, through uh southie the saint patrick's day parade yep and just chugging beers with all those people and, and just being you know like it's funny what celebrity that term is kind of used you know how people are held at different layers of of whatever you want celebrity um just because i was able to skate a little bit faster than somebody else doesn't make me any different you know than anybody else uh you know singers inter- actors entertainers we all kind of hold them at different hierarchies but they're all this they all go to the bathroom the same as well maybe not some of them some probably got people that wipe for wipe their asses for them got so much money <laughs> but everyone we're all the same and, and that's the one thing that i i think the people and I really got along with in, in, in Boston because I, I'm the exact same shit as all of you guys. And just, yeah. I was 
lucky enough to play for the Boston Bruins and going through Southie on St. Patty's Day, chugging beers with everyone and just getting shit canned with everyone. People chucking beers and I'm catching them and I'm chugging <laughs> them back. And I got off the, I got off and they're like, PJ, you got to stay on. I'm like, ah, fuck off. I went and high five people and then hanging around, walking through the, the people because they're all, they're exact same thing as me, you and the other guys. And it was just, it's an amazing memory. And the, the, the best part was, uh, we were on those duck boats and they don't have bathrooms on them and I'm having my Jersey on and I got beer spilled all over me. And it's, it was, it was supposed to be a short parade, but it ended up being a lot of people. And, and just, I had to pee so bad, like so bad. And every time I went to get off, there was just so many people and I was going to run into a house and, and go to the bathroom. But every time I got off, people were like taking pictures or making me chug beers. And I'm like, I don't know how many beers deep I am. And back then it was just whatever I'm chugging every, I got to go to the bathroom so bad. So <laughs> I went from being like, you know, like King of the Hill, my man, my people high fiving everyone. I got the guns out. I'm double gunning it. I'm high fiving. I'm chugging beers to running down this corridor and, and going in this back alley and having to pee behind like a, a pole. And this one lady's walking out of the blue sees me and she just goes, like she just makes this comment, like you're such an ass, and I'm like, I, I, I don't know what I just went through for the last. Like I, I was like, just kind of like I had my jersey on too. It's like, oh, you think of those moments of how great the day was, and all that I really remember is this lady was like mad at me for like peeing in the back alley near a, a pole. Um, but it went. It was one of the greatest days to one of those days. The lesson that I learned is take my jersey off next time I pee. <laughs> Or wear somebody else's. You identified uh, yourself quickly there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what a great, I love that town, love the people. That's why I still try and stay associated with the team. And I think that's why that team is kind of successful because they represent the the the, the people of that city really well, which is uh, hardworking and honest. And that's why that team that you mentioned some names before, Terry Riley, Winsank, Cam Neely, Don Sweeney, they all kind of played the same way. Uh, and, and they represented the city really well because it, yeah, there's money in the city, but it's it's all about hard work. It's all about the blue collar, and that's why uh, that team is led by the exact same thing with their perfect line, their perfection line of, of Pasternak, Bergeron, and, and Marsha, who are nothing but skill, but tons of hard work. Yeah, and I'd be Boston if uh, someone didn't give you shit. So yeah, even on the even on your best day, that, that lady that? had to be there. It wouldn't have been Boston if that lady wasn't there. To totally, it's shit. totally. You know, like, it like had to. Yeah, still, like it was just Boston having to still be itself. You yeah, know? like the with the accent too. Yeah, <laughs> fucking. Let's have, a, let's have a wicked piss of time. She's just like, she, I don't know what she was yelling at. She just said something quick. Yeah, so fucking, fucking wicked retarded is what the, just get, get the keys of the car. Let's go. That's probably um, it. That sounds about right. I mean, I've heard that a, a thousand times living in this, living in this state. So yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. It was so good. It, you're right. Summed up Boston in my career yeah. to a T. Even Here on your best on, day. Yeah. That's my, gotta get that's shit. my life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You think it, it just brings you back to reality, you right, know? Exactly. You think you're king shit. Now you got some lady with a with the hitch with a purse. So I have to ask because we had Marina from Barcelona here recently, and her and I talked about the 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 alternate Pooh Bear jersey, the gold jersey that uh, you would you had worn many times playing for the Bruins. And yeah. it's a it's a love hate relationship out here. People either love it or they hate it. And 
and I'm curious on your thoughts on it because when I asked her why she loved that jersey so much, her exact response was watching P.J. Stock beat the hell out of players on the ice is the reason I love that jersey so much. It's kind of a nostalgic throwback for me, and you know, I, I think a that. lot of people feel that way about that jersey. What are your thoughts on them bringing that back? Can I just tell her that I love her? Can I say that? <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Thank you. Oh, she, she, I'm sure she'll be very happy about that. Uh, yeah. Um, listen, I don't care what I wore. I was, I, I'm never one of the, I don't know what color Jersey I am. I just got to know the other guy, the same color Jersey as me is who I'm throwing the puck to or in my career, just passing the water for or opening the door for. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I loved it. The Pooh Bear Jersey. Dude, I'm playing for the Boston Bruins. I'll wear you can put one of those poop emoticons on on the uh, emojis on the front of it. I don't care. I'm playing for the Bruins in the garden. Put anything on me. I love it. I love to hear that. Um you know, obviously you put your your career with Boston, you know, you played parts of three seasons there and then ended up playing the AHL or or the minors and then there was an unfortunate I think injury that caused your career yeah, to sort so the of first, end? My last year, I just signed a two-year extension, and um, I got put in the minors, uh, like, like um, whatever. We'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, I put in the I just signed a two-year extension. Like, game one, we go to Florida. They put me in the minors the next day. Uh, I go down to Providence. I play a couple games, and I get hurt. And that's pretty much ended my career. So I had to wear, that was my last year uh, in the minors there the entire year. But uh, it ended up being, I had a uh, orbital bone, well, a zygoma bone, which I broke once in Boston before. Um, and it's just like a bone that's like make a bridge over your jaw and uh, it's attached to your orbital. And I broke it before, it's my second time. The Bruins had put me in the minors and I was on a one way and I was so pissed. I had supposed to, you know, wear a half visor or something for a little bit. And I'm like, fuck you. You know what? You guys are putting me in the minors. I'm going to wait until this is more than healed. I'm going to wear a full cage. I'm going to take my time. Um, just the way the whole process played out. Um, I look back at it. There's reasons why I was in the minors. And uh, I just, you don't think of it at that time, right? You're a what 25 year old kid and you're being influenced by other people around you that don't necessarily know what's right either but anyways i i, I milked it down there and then the one day that i decide to take it off i kind of get a stick in the eye um and it's just the karma of everything and i ended up uh finished the year out had to wear a visor again but um i had to have a surgery uh, at the end of that season and i thought i'd come back and play but i had a developed double vision from it so i was my career was kind of over they're like well there's a couple things you can never do again it's a you can't play pro hockey b you can't play outfield for the red Sox or c whatever it was at the time so i i i had to hang him up it was an amazing run very lucky got proud to wear the proof the poo bear <laughs> the habs jersey rangers and flyers but uh my runway had come to an end because of uh an operation i kind of got a little bit not botched they underdid it but my body overreacted so i uh, that was that was it that was awesome that was kaputski did you see yourself like say that hadn't happened were you sort of in a position where you felt like you were going to continue to play for as long as possible or did you kind of ever see you know this is where i feel like is going to be my end point as far as age wise or anything like that 
Oh, I was 28, man. I was on top, King of the World. Yeah. I was, I was, you know, you're 20. Think of getting paid, you know, back then. Um, I think I was making $500,000. Five, that is a shit ton of money for yeah. a 28-year-old. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and, you know, I'm fighting. I'm doing okay. Um, I, 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 you know, I think back and you think of what concussions are, concussion syndrome and everything. I look back to that training camp and I'm like, I must've had a thousand concussions. You know, I was just so tired all the time. And, but anyways, it, things happen because they happen and, and I'm done. And, um, you know, um, I, I thought it was the lockout of 05. Um, and I thought I was still, they were going to fix my eye. I was going to be great. I was going to come back and play. I wasn't going to play for the brooms anymore uh, because it was a lockout. So that contract was going to be done. And uh, we, my wife and I flew up to Montreal to buy a house temporarily to have during the lockout. And after the lockout, I was going to sign with whoever I was going to sign with and go live in that city and go play there. Well, during that, lockout season is when I had my surgery towards the tail end of it. And while the surgery didn't go as planned and well, I never played again. And funny enough, I'm still in that same house today uh, (laughs) that we bought, we bought what 20 some odd 20 years ago to flip. I'm uh, I'm in that same house right now. So I'm in the basement. I take now I've got my own bar. Yeah. So I take it. You're not flipping that one. (laughs) Uh, Well, no, I'm, Damn kids. I got to hide in the basement now. I got four kids that have taken over everything, except for I made my own little cool section here. So I, can... I was going to say, it looks like you got a great little spot there. Yeah, that's a good little yeah. bar. It's a good little bar. So the double, double door fridge with the bar is crucial. Yeah. Come on. Come on. <laughs> my bartending this... days, I didn't even have that. Yeah, we had no, all I the got little mini dartboard over there. I got the two TVs. I got memorabilia everywhere. Um, that's right here, you kids. That's a Stephen Pete fight. Uh, the Gordy Howe, Gretz is up there. This is the goalie from Slapshot that I had a chance to meet. Um, I got some co- old pictures from the brooms. I got a kind of cool stuff down here that I made myself. Um, and uh, like, I made it originally as a bar for my buddies to come hang out in. Because, I, again, I'm, as you said earlier, I, I think we're all the exact same person. You know, just one skill set gets celebrated more than another. Uh, this guy's a hardest slap shot, but this guy's a doctor and saves lives every day. But we, we, we celebrate the guy that can take a slap shot that much more. Um, but it's my buddies. I did this like, again, I lived a real cool life for many years and had an opportunity to meet a lot of people. And it was just kind of, these are just pictures of it. And there's stories behind all of them. Uh, as you guys mentioned that Steve and Pete fight, that's one picture, right? There are all memories that were amazing to me that I love telling the greatness about the people that are involved in them. Well, I think that that's why it's great that you kind of changed direction and went into to media and broadcasting yeah. and stuff now because obviously, you know, we're having a great time talking with you and having you on here, but I'm sure that so many other people get enjoyment out of, you know, what you're doing in, in Montreal for TV. How, how does that how does that kind of feel to be doing a, a completely different thing than you were obviously playing hockey? Funny, I don't think everyone's happy to hear me on TV, by the way. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> if you want to check my Twitter out or my Instagram out, uh, they are definitely all over my shit, uh, especially uh, we're dealing with, uh, I always, I, I don't filter it, right? So some people like it, some people don't like it, but I'm not a fan of a team. 
Um, I have friends that are still playing. You know, Donnie Sweeney's your general manager in Boston. So I'm, I want Don to do well. Uh, Joe Thornton's playing for Florida. He's an ex-teammate. I want Joe to do well. Yeah. Uh, Sean O'Donnell, Glenn Murray work for the LA Kings. I want them to do well. Manny Maholtra is the assistant coach. All my ex-teammates and players and friends, I want them to do well, but I'm not a fan of any team. So when right. I talk about anything, I, I'm talking, I do the Canadians all the time. I played for the Habs. I, I you know, proud can, Canadian, proud Montrealer. I don't care. I, I'm just, what I saw this play happen, why did it happen? Why aren't they winning? What's going on? What's, you know, and I, I people get mad at me for actually not, well, like, this is your home team. Why don't you support them more? I do support them more, but they played shit tonight. I got to tell them that they played shit. What do you want me to say? I don't knock skill set ever. I, I, the only thing that I do knock is people's work ethic because I think everyone's given, a, uh, everyone's been given different, you're taller, you're faster, you're shorter, you're stronger, or you can do this better. At the end of the day, the only thing we're all kind of given equally is a work ethic. And what you're willing to do with it makes you good or great or out there to be discussed post-game. And if I don't think that you gave your all, the team lost because of a couple of mistakes you made because of cheating or whatever, that's what I talk about. And some people don't like hearing me talk about, um, let's just say, uh, I'll say, just the other night, I said Jonathan Dwayne, who's a really skilled hockey player, but he cheated a few times tonight. And unless everyone's pulling in the same direction, you know, you're being pulled the other way. And that's kind of what happens. And people hate it when I do that, but it's a reality. But, you know, how I got into it, it I was 2005 and I just had my eye, my eye surgery and I was done. And it was this, that summer when I found out and we were getting ready to get back to start playing and I was done and I'm in a bar and some guy comes over me, Mitch Melnick, who does radio here in Montreal. is like, Hey man, uh, how would you like to do uh, the, the pregame show for the Canadians tomorrow on radio? I'm like, Hey, yeah, I'll do it, man. If you, if you pay for my drinks, he's like, <laughs> okay, no problem. So lo and behold that I know he had a sponsorship with that bar. So he did it a couple of times <laughs> and, 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 and fooled me a few times. And it's like, Hey, he's at the bar. Hey, you want to do the pregame tomorrow? Hey, I'll buy your drinks. Yeah, sure. No problem. So I went from one show to two show to another shows to me eventually uh, getting into radio and his television. And I've been very fortunate with that as well. Do and, you like, now, did you have a difficulty or was, or like jumping right to that? Cause you know, oh, yeah. you, you're, you're, you're swallowing this pill and then you're staying close. You're staying right next to that league that you still, you know, a huge part of your body just feels like it should be on the ice. I got to imagine. So like, was it, was it helpful? Was it like a double-edged sword or was it, it was just like kind of brutal for a bit to, you know, stick so close. I'm sure like now you, 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 you still at it and you, you do a great job with it. You must love media, but like right out of the gate, that must've been something. It was. Yeah. I, and I appreciate everyone that stayed with me because I was terrible at it. Like I like, it's funny. I do French TV here and I butcher the French language. Like it's, <laughs> I'm not Francophone. I've taken, so many classes. I lived in a French town and I try my best, but I'm terrible at, at French. I'm getting better, but it's not like it's like it's unless you're immersed in it. It's kind of like it's hard. It's just right. so I just speak that way on television. There's not enough people in the air environment that I live in that I, I speak it more often. My my kids all take it. I make everyone take it, but it's we just don't speak it at home. So it's not great. So hey, I destroy that and english for me is another one i just destroyed the english language it's like <laughs> i'm no i'm no uh literary scholar by any means so uh people were 
people have been really great with me. It's like going back to the days of the brooms. They understood my shitness, but they understood that I, I'll, I'll do whatever I can for the team to be successful. It's the same thing with my TV and, and radio stuff. I think people at first were like, this guy's horrendous. And now they've kind of been, they've accustomed themselves to my horrendousness and they, they've learned to appreciate it to a certain extent. Well, I, I mean, I don't think it's horrendous. I think, thanks, I think thanks, it's, guys. It's, one, it's one of us. One of us. <laughs> one of us. One of us. Well, yeah, I yeah, mean, you're, so, you're at least the expert. Me and Andrew always talk about how we're just like, just two guys with opinions. That's, well, that's all it. we are. Well, that's what everybody is. Right? Yeah, exactly. That, right. Yeah. That's all I that mean, everybody is. The best part is. You've done a little battle. more skating on professional ice than us, but just yeah, a little. Yeah, <laughs> we're all, the best part is about opinions nowadays, and I love the world that we live in. You're, they want you all to have opinions yeah. as long as it's the same as yours. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's where I get in trouble. I'm like, my, my you know, hey, I want to hear your opinion. Well, it's my opinion. It's I, I think this. You're completely wrong. It's got it's this way. You're a moron for thinking that way. I'm like, you just asked for my opinion. Right. No, 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 no. It's, it's, so it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of the world that we're living in right now. So I dig myself a couple of holes every now and then. But um, it's, it's it's getting harder and harder to get out of some of them. But um, it's always positive intention. Uh, but everything nowadays has got to be a little bit more calculated uh, by the way you say things. The contrarian is just so big, though, at the same time. It's just I, I think it's I respect the people, you know, like like yourself who just like tell it like they're seeing it as opposed to, you know, some of the just, you know, the hot take culture, you know, and I think that's also kind of ruining it. Whereas a bunch of people think if you're just going against the team, you're just hot take and you're just doing it to be a contrarian not because you actually believe what you're saying anymore. Well, it's it's one thing to do it. It's the other thing for your bosses to believe in what you're doing, right? If, if we're just shooting the shit, three of us here, it's one thing. But if I'm working right. for a company and, and saying something, um, <clears throat> like a good example, yesterday or just recently, I did uh, the Montreal Canadiens are looking for a new general manager. And they want him, the, the president of the team, Jeff Moulton, said they hired a, a Jeff Gordon, former assistant general manager with the Boston Bruins, actually general manager for a short time there as well when I was there, GM of the Rangers. And they hired him as like president of hockey ops. And they said the, the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens is going to be a francophone or bilingual. And, you know, the history of the team and all that. But I, I say, you know, why can't it just be the best person available? Why does it have to be someone that is bilingual um and because you just eliminate so many people because of of you're just not looking here you're kind of looking like in a little small set of an ocean you're looking in a pool and and i i understand the reasoning and why they do it and to be able to the the fan base and the companies and uh but i i i don't understand it at other times so that's why I say it. It's like I get it, but I don't get it. So, but when I say it, and I, I there's no ill intention of it. I'm just my. It's my opinion. I'm speaking out loud, and it's exactly how I just said it. Like, why can't it be this way? Well, this is the reasoning. But I'm like, but still, why can't it be this way? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's like we need someone to speak to the, the fans, and I'm like, right. But you need you, someone to put a good team together. Yeah. What's more and important? which do you want more? Do you want right. to face? That's, and, 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 and then if so, that should almost be two different positions in within an organization. If you if you want a face of the team type guy that, you know, that's not necessarily going to be the perfect guy who puts a roster together. So and, and that's yeah. my argument. And I say yeah. it that way. And and people come back at me. And again, I'm very fortunate to be on RDS and they all understand my stance. And it's nothing it's it's nothing 
pro-anglophone, anti-francophone no, or course, anything. Yeah. It's just the, if the team was winning all the time, like I said, I, I want the city to feel vibrant. I want it, you know, my time in Boston, there's nothing better than that. They haven't had that in Montreal for a long time. And I want them to get back to that, you know, success. You know, they won in 93 and 86 when I was younger and everyone was a fan. You're not a fan today like you used to be. Uh, because winning makes you a fan and they haven't won in a long time. So I'm like, throw the old way out the window. It's not working and try and think differently. Um, and I don't mean it to come out the wrong way, but sometimes I always don't phrase things the right way, but I'm like, at the end of the day, people will support a winner, you know, yeah. and, and, and until we get there. So that's been the last few days of my Instagram and, and, and Twitter, just taking an absolute beating, <laughs> but the bosses understand uh, and I, they understand that I do it for um, it's no malintent at anyone. It's just, you said you want an opinion. That's my opinion. It's so it's, uh, I mean, I appreciate them understanding my opinion to your point. It kind of is the same way with where they bounce back and forth between, uh, Michelle Therrien and, and Julian, Claude Julian with the head coaching position, because there weren't a lot of, there weren't a lot of guys who could speak both languages. And then unfortunately it didn't seem to work out for, for Claude the second time or this time around. And, and I think that they need to look for a coach who's going to be able to coach the team and not necessarily be, you know, a guy who just because he can speak both languages. So that's another one of my, my, my thing is if there's no Francophone players on the team, why do you need a Francophone coach? So for the first time in team history, the playoffs last year, they, they didn't have a Francophone player on the team. So before we go too much further in this, as I've been, I understand that, you know, for the province of Quebec, this is their, you know, you guys, we talked about what, what was my dream growing up. And I said it was to play for Notre Dame or go to school there because that's what I watched on TV growing up. Yeah. For a lot of these Francophones um, or, or, or people from Quebec, their goal and dream is to play for the Montreal Canadiens because this is one of the only spots where they have an opportunity because they don't, someone from Shakutami or Saguenay or they, they, they don't look at getting a job for the Arizona Coyotes or getting a job for the Tampa Bay Lightning. They look at the Montreal Canadiens as their, and, and the Montreal Canadiens don't want, this is where the understanding of everything is what I get. They don't want to take away that dream for their players. So I think what you said before, I, I think it, it it needs a different layer. They need a face, they need a, a speaker. They need someone to do the coaching and the thinking, and then they need a face. They need someone to talk and explain things and, and be the person to the fans. Um, yeah. So that, I think that would be the best world. Uh, they're not there right now. And, and you meant they went Vigno, then Terrier, then Julien. Then I think, I think Ganey jumped in there a little bit. Then it went I want to say back to Terrier and then back to Julien. It's only because you're, you're limited. Right. I think there was a, there was a Randy Cunningworth in there for a year that didn't go so well, but um, so there you're limited with your pool and it's not that they're great coaches or not great coaches, but in some of their arguments, Hey, if we're going to lose, let's lose with one of our guys. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I, I get that. I, so, but, but it's been a, it's been quite the conversation piece the last uh, few days here in Montreal. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I feel like we could honestly talk to you for, for hours and hours about all this stuff with Boston and what you're doing now. But, you know, we really appreciate you taking some time to talk with us and, and 
you know, this was kind of a, uh, this was a big deal for, for the two of us. So, you know, we appreciate you coming on and, uh, you know, hopefully I actually wanted to ask you as well. You ever thought about writing a book? seems to be plenty of things that you could, you could fit into a book. Yeah. I've been asked a few times. I've been really fortunate. Um, you know, I don't say the term blessed or anything like that, but I've been very lucky. Uh, some really highs and lows. I got to, you know, from grew up with a fun at the time, healthy family, um, to playing pro sports, playing with Wayne Gretzky, playing for the Canadians, playing for original four, um, being on hockey night in Canada, working with, you know, growing up as an idol was a guy named Don Cherry. And, right. Yeah. Of course. Right. I worked Don with Cherry. Don and that there's layers to that as well that I could tell you about, uh, <laughs> to, uh, to working on French television, to getting into arguments and fights and, and from being yelled at by a lady in the back of a, with my Jersey on, um, <laughs> to, to, to losing a brother to ALS, to the family struggles, to living during, like, it's been a pretty cool, awesome ride. Um, I'm just, like I said, I'm just, uh, looking just in the pictures right around here you know Stephen pete got to meet mr howe had my junior number retired even though i was a terrible player mari lapointe and johnny whitesides during the the lockout one year we you know we went uh, to lake placid where the bruins didn't want me to go anywhere and we snuck out anyways to uh meeting the crew from slap shot to playing with wing i mean i was really lucky so and there's all kinds of funny stories along the way that i will get to it and it's going to be more or less one of those books when you're sitting at home. It's one to read on the toilet. It's, going to be, it's not going to be a big one with too many words. And it's funny that when people talked about, this is years ago, people talked about writing a, a book or everyone made fun of it. Yeah, well, PJ better have, it's going to be written in crayon and it's going to be two pages long. And They don't give so you any worry. credit. If I do one, there will definitely be some crayon in it, just so you know. <laughs> there will be a pop-up and some crayon coming at you for sure. Well, we you know, we look forward to hopefully when that gets done. I would love to read it. But obviously, there's a million more stories that we would love to have you back on and talk more about stuff yeah. in the future because, you know, I, like I said, we could probably go on for hours at this point. But, you know, this was okay, definitely I'm, a treat. I'm so. out in uh, Los Angeles trying to do the, the old writing thing. Whatever it is, crayon, no matter what, I'll try to adapt it into whatever, you know, TV, right. film, whatever you're feeling. And, you can, you know, I'll just show you the script. You tell me if you like it or not. Free on the house. We'll, get, on we'll, the adapt, house. It. we'll adapt it on we'll the house. We'll adapt it. Awesome. Well, thank you guys a ton. This is awesome. I appreciate it. Sorry, I had a little bit of a Christmas party. I'm trying to get my face kind of. I've almost sobered up, kind of. Not really. I'm kidding. <laughs> That wouldn't be a very good uh, Christmas party, I guess, if you were. Yeah. Hey, it's Saturday. It's Saturday in the holidays. Keep keep the train going. Cheers. Cheers to that. Watch too many movies and now.